Exodus chapter 34. Previously, Moses had received the new uh, tablets of stone with the commandments rewritten on them by God. And then Moses had been pleading for his people. And in verse 9, he said, If now I have found grace in thy sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray thee, go among us, for it is a stiff-necked people, and pardon our iniquity and our sin, and take us for thine inheritance. And that's a wonderful prayer. We, we looked at that a few weeks ago. And it's a prayer that each one of us could pray, isn't it? If I have found grace in thy sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray thee, go among us. And God had, you see, said that he wouldn't go before them. But now he answers that prayer in a very dramatic way. And he said, God speaking, Behold, I make a covenant before all thy people. I will do marvels, such as have not been done in all the earth, nor in any nation. And all the people among which thou art shall see the work of the Lord, for it is a terrible and awesome thing that I will do with thee. Observe thou that which I command thee this day. Behold, I drive out before thee the Amorite and the Canaanite and the Hittite and the Perizzite and the Hivite and the Jebusite. Take heed to thyself lest thou make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land whither thou goest, lest it be for a snare in the midst of thee. But he shall destroy their altars, break their images, and cut down their groves. For thou shalt worship no other god, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous god lest they make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, and they go a-whoring after their gods, and do sacrifice unto their gods. And one call thee, and thou eat of his sacrifice. And thou take of their daughters unto thy sons, and their daughters go a-whoring after their gods, and make thy sons go a-whoring after their gods. You notice the gods is a small g in all these verses. And thou shalt make no molten gods. Then it goes on to describe the various feasts and conditions that they had to observe throughout the land. We won't have time to go into all that, I'm sure. In fact, I thought we would be able to finish this whole chapter. I said that last week. But I don't think we're going to get much further than that this morning. Yes, it's interesting that God answered Moses' prayer very quickly and very dramatically. Moses had prayed that God would go amongst them. And straight away God said, I'm going to make a covenant with you. I'm going to give you a new covenant. The old covenant had already been broken by these men. They had, as we said before, before Moses had even come down from the mountain with the, when he saw the sin that was in the camp, he, in righteous indignation, he'd broken the, the, the tablets of stone. But now God had given him the, the new tablets and he said he was going to make a new covenant with them. I'm going to renew the covenant which you had broken. Which you broke. It hasn't taken them long before they had strayed away 
from God. And he said, I'm going to cut a new covenant with you. Now we've looked at this, how we stressed before the cutting of a covenant. Green's literal translation says, God is going to cut a new covenant with them. And we saw that the reason we talk about that, I was listening to a chap on the radio a while back and he said they were cutting a covenant. And I'm sure he didn't know what on earth he was talking about, this cutting a covenant. We still say it these days. But it was that when a covenant was made between uh, people or between God and the people, and we see it if you go back to Genesis and Abraham, the, an animal was split in two and, and they walked between the two parts of the animal. And that's why a covenant was cut. It's talked about cutting a covenant. And Abraham, God made a covenant with Abraham and God walked through the two pieces but we've no record of Abraham doing it because God knew that Abraham was not going to, the children of Israel were not going to keep the covenant. But in any case, God said he was going to cut a new covenant with them. And now, that must have sounded like music to Moses' ears. Must be wonderful for after God was not going to go with the people, God was going to, he said he was going to wipe these people out and he was going to start a new people with Moses and Moses had pleaded for the people and said, no, they're your people. And now God said, I'm going to start with a new covenant. So it must have been wonderful, wonderful for Moses to hear this news. But it was God's covenant and God sets out his terms here of what the covenant is going to be. I will make a covenant. And I will do things. It's God speaking. I will do wonderful things before all your people. Which is not have been done in all the earth and among all nations. And all the people in whose midst you are shall see the work of Jehovah. It was going to be evident to all the people in the surrounding lands that God was with the children of Israel. He says, what I'm going to do is awesome. Well, I'm sure wonder, Moses must have thought, I wonder what God is going to do. Because, you know, Moses had, had had so many awesome things that had happened to him. His very life, at the very start, Pharaoh had, had said that any male child was to be killed, and Moses was put into a little ark, and he was pushed into the bulrushes, and he was miraculously saved, and he was brought up as the, the son of Pharaoh's daughter. That was miraculous. That was awesome. Then he had met God at the burning bush. And then he had, God had told him to go and meet with Pharaoh and all the, the, the miracles that Moses performed in front of Pharaoh, they were awesome. Well, I'm sure Moses thought that. Then all the plagues that God had uh, carried out, the plagues in, in Egypt culminating with the, 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 the killing and of all the firstborn the Passover deliverance of the people from the land of Egypt the crossing of the Red Sea the killing of all Pharaoh's armies in the Red Sea the healing of the bitter waters at Marah all these things the, the provision of water in, in, in a desert to feed millions of people the manna when the people complained they had no food the manna which was given by God and the quails which came in flew in and they picked them up they had fresh poultry and we, we, we looked at that the manna the manna continued 
There was a miracle every day, six days a week for 40 years. This was awesome. The healing of Miriam, his sister, from, from leprosy. The swallowing up of the earth for those people who had rebelled against God. I don't, this, these things had happened to Moses. And now God says, I'm going to do something awesome. What on earth went through Moses' head? He had seen all these wonderful things. It must have excited him. You know, our God is a wonderful God. And then, after telling him that what he was going to do was going to be awesome, he says, verse 11, observe, observe, that means to keep, to guard, to be a watchman. Be on your guard. To keep which I command you. And here again, Green's translation says, take heed to yourself what I'm commanding you. Take heed. Take heed to yourself. If you observe these things, behold, I am going to drive out if you, if you observe and take heed to what I'm saying, then, he says, I'm going to drive out the Amorite, the Canaanite, and the Hittite, and the Perizzite, and the Hivite, and the Jebusite. I will drive out your enemies. Interesting thing that most of these, most of these tribes had come from, the, from Ham, one of the sons of Noah. And they had started off, obviously, with, with Ham, who, who had come through the flood and had all that wonderful experience. But they'd gone away from God, slowly by slowly. And now here was God, and he was going to destroy them. He was going to drive them out in front of Moses. There's a lesson there for us. Watch that we don't slowly drift away. We, we, we laugh about this, uh, the little hymn, the little chorus we used to sing about the sheep going astray. But, you know, sheep don't suddenly jump up and go out of the field. They go slowly and slowly and come to the hedge and they slip through it. And it's a slow thing. Be careful. Be careful that we don't drift away from God. And Moses heard this. I'm going to drive out the enemies. And so they, did, the, did the Israelites just have to sit back and let God do it? Oh, no problem. God is on our side. God is going to destroy the enemies. So we just sit back and wait for him to do it. No, it wasn't like that. It wasn't like that. If you go to verse 12, they had to live a separated life. It says, Take heed, lest thou make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land. You know, I was, I was sidetracked really when I was doing this last night uh, on Friday. Take heed is mentioned over 50 times in Scripture. Take heed. Take heed. As a whole, you know, we could have done nothing else but look at take heeds in Scripture. There's a chap, a uh, fellow we know in Northern Ireland, and he has a ministry and he calls it Take Heed Ministries. And, you know, if you look through all the take heeds, you'll see why he chose that name. Because we are told to to take heed to what God says. 1 Corinthians 
according to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder we're building we used to sing that chorus we are building day by day in our work and in our play not with hammer blow on blow not with timber sawing so building a house not made with hands following Jesus perfect plans little builders all are we building for eternity and Paul writing to Corinthians says be a wise master builder I have laid the foundation and another builders on it we have a foundation of Jesus Christ we have that foundation when we come to him in repentance and faith and trust and accept him as our saviour we have that foundation but Paul says take heed how you build take heed how you build on that he goes on to say whether we build with gold and silver and precious stones that when we're tested by fire as if by fire they will last or are we building on top of that foundation of Jesus Christ something wood hay and stubble which will be burnt up which won't last take heed he says why is our land this land of ours wasted spiritually why Hosea 4 verse 5 for they shall eat and have not enough that's, that's what it is people are hungry for, for pleasure they're never filled they shall commit whoredom and shall not increase because it says they have left off to take heed to the Lord that's what's wrong with our country they don't take heed to what God says we too may be spiritually waste as the land was in Hosea's time if we fail to take heed to what God says you know we hear of problems in schools children are being put out of schools they're being perverted in our schools and colleges by atheistic studies we're not allowed to say that God is the creator of the heaven and the earth what does God say Jesus speaking in Matthew 18.10 says take heed that ye despise not these little ones we need to make sure that we are prepared to stand up for the truth of scripture it says that your father in, in heaven their, their angels do always behold the face of my father which is in heaven and I don't think that only applies to children I think those who are simple in the faith those who are young in the faith we need to take heed that we don't lead them astray that we make sure that our teaching is right Christians are being led astray by every wind of doctrine these days all over the place we see it what did the Lord Jesus say he said Jesus answered and said unto them take heed that no man deceive you take heed that no man deceive you and he said take heed what you hear don't go off listening to every wind of doctrine take heed what you hear we could go on with this we have been you know we've been freed from the bondage of Satan when we accept Christ as our Savior we we change camps we have an allegiance now to the Lord Jesus Christ and we have liberty in Christ but Paul warns us Paul warns the Corinthians he says take heed 
lest by any means this liberty of yours becomes a stumbling block to those around, to those who are less mature in the faith. Take heed. It says also, Wherefore let him that thinketh he standeth take heed, lest he fall. You're also served. We, we saw last week that Jesus chose the, the twelve uh, to be around him, to be with him, and also that they might go out and preach the gospel. In Colossians, Paul says, Take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you fulfill it. Oh, we've each been given a task to do. We've been given a job to do by God. Take heed that ye fulfill it. In Timothy it says, take heed unto the doctrine which you've received and continue in it. You know, there's so much. And then in this passage today in verse 12 it says, take heed to yourself that you do not cut a covenant with the people of the land to which you are going and that it is not a snare in the midst of you. Not to enter into a league or an alliance with these people. They will become a snare in your midst. Like a fifth column there. A snare. A snare catches you. You know, a rabbit running along a track doesn't see the snare until it's too late. God is warning the people here. Don't form an alliance with the people around you. Don't. Now, God zooms in when he's talking to Moses on the recent sins of the children of Israel. We had seen that God had given Moses all the instructions for the tabernacle, and before Moses could get down to explain to the people what God was going to do, that he was going to come and dwell amongst them, and they would build this tabernacle where he was going to dwell, before he could do that, the people had sinned. They had made a molten calf. And he says, look, you're going in to move with these people. You have to drive them out. I'll drive them out in front of you. But make sure. Break their images. Destroy their altars. Cut down their groves. The groves were to the, the, the goddess, the, 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 the spouse of, of Baal. The goddess of fortune and happiness. You know, that's, that's what, it's just like that these days. There's, there's a goddess of fortune and happiness. Think all the lottery and all that bother with, with, with the, the people are just grasping. Since the lottery came in, people have started, I, I believe, they're more grasping for money. And they're looking for pleasure all the time. We only have to look at the images around our land. Images of coming from Ireland where we're conscious of all the images of Mary around the place. Do you ever think how we've been subtly influenced? Remember George saying that he reckoned everybody had been influenced in some way subtly by the Roman Catholic teaching. We have lady chapels in all our cathedrals. They're not there in honor of Carey's wife. There, in honor of Mary. Lady days. 
call our churches St. Mary's. <laughs> Funny, I was just looking at this. Marleybone, the cricket club. Mary the good. That's where it comes from. So we've all been influenced in subtle ways to accept Mariolatry. Even our local parish magazine had an article talking about the purity of Mary. Mary was needed a saviour. These groves that they were to cut down were usually in the form of a pillar and uh, they were pushed up near, the, near these altars to the false gods. They had these licentious and vulgar rites attached to them. He says, get rid of all that. Get rid of all that. You know, it's a strange thing that once people drift away from worshipping God as shown in Scripture, and they become involved in some way with idol worship, that then immorality and unnatural practices then take over. It's one of these things and it's, it's been shown in scripture time and time again you know I was distressed as I'm sure most of you were this week by the, the, the news that the queen had visited a Hindu temple and there was an article in the telegraph and Shulis and garlanded the queen paid her first visit to a Hindu temple in Britain. She removed her shoes and put on thin slippers out of respect to the rules of the Highgate Hill Muragan temple. Muragan, the god, the heathen god with six heads. And she took off her shoes in respect to that. She allowed herself to be blessed at the entrance to an elaborate shrine to the six-headed god. A garland of fresh marigolds and purple chrysanthemums was presented to her as two women held a tray bearing three candles and leaves to cleanse her senses and bless her with a long reign. I, I quite honestly believe that there's been a turning point in the last few weeks of things that are happening that will lead us further and further away from the truths of scripture she signed a declaration when at the coronation that she would uphold the faith the faith which Archbishop Cranmer and all these men died for the faith which is recorded in, in the book of common prayer but she has turned her back on that And then the leaders of the Anglican and the Roman Catholics and the Free Churches and some of the minor churches all signed a declaration in front of her in Windsor saying that they would all endeavor to pray and to work for a one church. There is only one church. That's a strange thing. There's only one true church. The Church of Jesus Christ. These other churches are man-made things. They may all join up, but they will not be joining up into the true fellowship of Christians from any church who have accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. 
That is the true church. But these men have signed in front of the queen to sign up to form a church. A one world church which will eventually all come in. And you know, I have it there somewhere. She had sworn that she would uphold the truths of the faith that she came to acknowledge through the Bible. And that, if I could find the bit of paper, I don't know where I put it, but it's there somewhere. They say that the teachings of the Roman Catholic Church are repugnant to the plain teaching of Scripture in the 39 articles. You can read it when you go home. But once a church or once people start drifting away from the truths and once they start worshipping idols, then immorality takes place. We've had all this in America, with the, the, in Boston, but it's happening all over the place. In Dublin, the, uh, the, 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 just this week, the Irish Times reported that three priests had been suspended in the Diocese of Dublin. In, in, down in the south, in County Wexford, the same thing. In Maynooth, where they train all these priests, they train them. The place where they train the priests in Ireland, there was a man called Monsignor Ledwith, and he was accused on the radio the other day as being a predator of the young priests coming up to study at Maynooth. He left suddenly in 1994. He was given a lump sum. He was given a pension. And yet... He was promoted to the presidency and he left the post suddenly in 1994. These are from the Irish papers. These aren't from, from Protestant papers or from extreme Protestant. Things are bad. And these are the people that carry and all want to join up with and our queen is happy, unfortunately, to go along with it. You know, there was, in, in Wisconsin, it was reported this week, that the, uh, an archbishop there paid out $450,000 to a man to keep him quiet. $450,000 to keep a guy quiet of these things. So, let's get back. We've gone about that. We've gone about Mary in Rome and all the rest of it. I have a thing here on, on Mary in Rome. You know, there's a book written. I used to, I joined the... <laughs> I joined the, 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 the Catholic Library at one stage because I wanted to get a hold of books that would expose some of the teaching of the Roman Catholic Church from their own people. The library actually had to close it. It didn't, couldn't make money. So I lost some of my subscription. But the, there was a book which I'd, I'd sent for and it was called The Glories of Mary. I don't know whether you've ever had to try and have a conversation with, with a, a, a knowledgeable Roman Catholic. But it's like trying to eat jelly with a fork. You know, really, you can't get to grips with them. If you say their teachings are not in accordance with Scripture, uh, or, or, or they will claim that all their teachings are in accordance with the Bible. But then if you point out some that aren't, they'll say, well, you're taking the things too literally. Things have changed. But then if you show them a tradition which doesn't conform with scripture, 
they, they, they say, well, uh, tradition and scripture are on an equal footing. So it's very difficult. But the thing to do is to get a hold of the Roman Catholic Catechism, which the Pope says is written in order that you will know what they believe. And then look and see whether. You have to be bereaved. People will have to learn to accept what is written rather than what people say. I advise you to get a hold of the glories of Mary and read what it says about the worship of Mary. It was written by a man called Alphonsus Mary de Liguri and way back in 1700. But, you know, it's been accepted all down through those years as being an authentic expression of what Mary is to the Roman Catholic Church. And in fact, there was, a, there was a pope around 1800 and he thought it was written so well that he exhumed the body of this man, cut off three fingers because he had written with three, the, 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 with a pen with these fingers and brought those fingers back to Rome where they are sort of exalted as a thing to worship. Let's just read one or two little things. Here's an amazing thing. The prophet David, it says, that's David, the King David, Although Mary was not yet born, sought salvation from God by dedicating himself as a son of Mary. And thus prayed, when David prayed, Save the son of thy handmaid. Of what handmaid, says St. Augustine? And he answers, Of her who said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. So they're saying that David prayed although Mary had yet not been born, that through Mary he would be saved. And if Jesus is the king of the universe, Mary is also its queen, and as queen, she possesses by right the whole kingdom of God, of her son. The whole kingdom. She possesses the whole kingdom of her son. Since the flesh of Mary was not different from that of Jesus, how can the royal dignity of the Son be denied to the Mother? Hence we must consider the glory of the Son not only as being common to his Mother, but as one with her. You know, I could go on about that. But the thing is, be careful that we are not being influenced to take heed to what we believe. Take heed. Because it says in verse 14, that thou shalt worship no other God. Don't worship any other God. Because the gods of the nations, the Bible tells us, are demons. There is only one God. And we can have access to him only through the Lord Jesus Christ. Only through the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you accept any of these kind of teachings, even partially, God says, I'm a jealous God. I will not give my glory to another. He's a jealous God. And you're going to have to deal with him who will not give his glory to another. He admits of no rival or competitor in worship. He won't allow it. I really felt about this when, when I saw what was happening in the last few days. When, when, uh, when the, the queen was sitting there and allowing these men to sign these 
declarations in front of her. And when she was going to a temple, and when you take off your shoes in a Hindu temple or in a Muslim mosque, you are not just doing it for the, the pleasure of the fellows who are at the top leading the thing. You are coming under the power and control of that God. You are acknowledging that God by taking your shoes off. You see these girls walking around with these little marks on their head. They don't know what they're doing. You talk to Y and Rose in India. Rose was a Hindu and she's converted. And you ask her about putting those little marks on your head. You're acknowledging the power of that God. We need to... These are serious things. He will not give his glory to another God, or so-called, nor his praise to graven images. Remember, the Lord knows who dishonor him. The Lord knows who dishonor him. He won't fool God. And resents it, for he is jealous of any worship being given to another, as the husband is to the honor of his wife and the marriage bed. That's the same. That's what God says. You're going to go a whoring after these gods. And that's the thought behind it in verse 15. The thought behind it in verse 15 is, uh, lest thou make a marriage covenant with the inhabitants of the land and they go and, and you go after their gods. That's the thought behind it. Sacrifice to their gods. And one called thee and thou eat of the sacrifice. And so often we saw how this happened to Israel. But it can happen to us if we are prepared to follow other gods. We can offer sacrifices to the gods of pleasure and money fame, popularity, ecumenism and so on. Strange gods of the nations round about us. Oh, there are many gods out there that we can bow the knee to. And what happened with Israel? What happened with them? You know, it affected the national family. Israel was supposed to be the wife of Jehovah. But they went a whoring after other gods. They committed adultery. They committed spiritual adultery. And God says, I'm a jealous God. My name is Jealousy. He's jealous. He's jealous. We make molten images of gold and silver, material wealth. And you know, the strange thing about it was, when they made that molten calf, gave all the gold. The gold and the silver had been given to the children of Israel miraculously by God. God, as they had left Egypt, God had arranged it that the, the, the Egyptians gave them all this wealth. And now that wealth which had been given to them miraculously was being used to make a molten calf so that they would worship it. Like Israel. Look at Deuteronomy 8, 10 and 11. They were warned over and over again. God warned them. God knew this was going to happen. That's a strange, well it's not the strange thing. But God knew that it was going to happen. 
way back in Deuteronomy, he says, When thou hast eaten and art full, and when thou then shalt thou bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. Oh yes, God has given us wonderful blessings in this country. He has blessed you and he has blessed me with material goods. But he said, beware, beware, I'm sure it could be even take heed, that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes, which I command thee this day. Oh, God knew that when these people became wealthy, when they sat back in the land and when things were going well, then they would forget about him. Look what God says in the following verses. Deuteronomy 4.23. Four more of these, or a few more of these things. Take heed unto yourselves, lest ye forget the covenant of the Lord your God which he made with you, and make a graven image or the likeness of anything which the Lord hath forbidden thee. Take heed. Oh, you know, we have to take heed. So easy to slip away. So easy to do something or to believe something which is not scriptural. Deuteronomy 11.16 Take heed, lest your heart be not deceived, and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. Take heed. Deuteronomy 12.13 Take heed that thou offer not thy burnt offerings in every place that you see. Oh, it's so easy, isn't it? Oh, I thought that was an interesting one. Don't offer your burnt offerings every place you see. Oh, there's a nice service going on down there. We'll all go as great singing. We'll go and we'll offer our praise there. Oh, well, we're not too sure about that church. The, the, maybe the, the teaching's a little bit off, but it's nice people. We'll go down and we'll worship down there. That's what he's saying. Take heed. Be a Berean. Check things out. Don't take my word for it, as we always say. Deuteronomy 8 and 18 and 19. But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee power to get wealth. This is a most important verse. Nearly finished. It is he that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant which he swear with his fathers. Why, why does God increase your riches? Why does he make you comfortable? That's what he's saying. Well, the reason is so that his covenant was to be established. And what is Jesus said, he gathered the twelve apostles around him, it says in scripture, that they might be with him and that they would go forth and establish his covenant to others and tell the truth of the gospel to others. That's why. I remember reading a book and the guy says, if you're a school teacher, you're not a school teacher. You're there as a Christian and God has just arranged it that you're a school teacher and you're getting paid for being there. Or if you're working for Shell or some of these companies, God has arranged it that you're working in that company as a Christian and the people are paying you at the same time. And it's very true. Wherever God has placed us, we have to fulfill his covenant. And that's what it's saying in these verses. That he may establish his covenant which he sware unto thy fathers as it is this day. And if it shall be, if thou at all forget the Lord thy God, if you forget the Lord thy God, and walk after other gods, and serve them, and worship them. Here's what he said to the Israelites. I testify this day that ye shall perish. Ye shall surely perish. 
Oh, yes. We said about it a few months ago. God, if you are not prepared to do what God wants you to do as a Christian, God won't have any dealings with you. He'll put you up on a shelf. And he'll sit up there. And the, the, I remember a chap saying this to me ages ago. And he says, there's plenty of room up there. Because there are others up there as well. And they'll just all move along a little bit and give you a place. And God won't deal with you. And the, the, the sad thing is about it, if that happens, you'll be uncomfortable, you'll be miserable. You won't be miserable in the company, you, you'll be, you won't be comfortable in the company of Christians, and you won't be in, comfortable in the company of non-Christians. Because you won't be comfortable in either company. Because if you're with non-Christians, you'll have that hankering that you know you're not in the right place. And, and if you're with Christians, you know you're not living the right life. So you're going to be miserable. God wants you. He, Jesus said he came to give us joy in all its abundance. But the only way we can have that joy, there is no peace, no joy, no thrill. Like walking in his will. That's where we get the peace and the joy and the thrill if we walk in his will. Time is gone. If we take nothing else away from this service this morning, Take heed. That's the two words, remember. Take heed. And look at all the rest of the take heeds. Get out a, a concordance at the back of your Bible and start looking at all the take heeds. There are dozens of 50 odd of them. They're all worth looking at. May we uh, take heed this morning to what God's Word says and start, start treating it seriously.